find yourself in a world that no longer makes sense. When you realize that a man like Epstein didn't Epstein himself. When the police are defunded, but Pakistan gets a gender studies grant. You may be in the Collapse Experiment. Hello and welcome to this another, yet another special edition of the Collapse Experiment podcast. Brought to you by thecollapseexperiment.com Yes, I'm trying to do a few more of these, um, I'm going to call them long-term podcast episodes, stuff that people might look up and find online to gather information on things they don't know that much about and want to learn more. So this special, this one is about a journalist named Michael Hastings. Uh, If you want to know more about Michael Hastings, he has several books, I Lost My Love in Baghdad, The Operators, Panic 2012, only available in digital format, Um, and my book, The Last Journalist, The Life and Times of Michael Hastings. I, uh, last time I checked, I am still the only person to write a book about this man, so um, it's kind of sad, but um, whatever, I I guess I I have the the hold on the, the market for that. So the reason I decided to do this special episode is not because I wrote the book, but because uh, Hastings has come up, uh, I believe, twice in a couple of podcasts that I listened to in the last week or so. And every time, people get the story wrong. (laughs) So um, I felt like this would be a good way to clarify the events, what had happened, um considering all the research that I did on it, uh, looking through all the conspiracy theories. Um, This episode is to clarify what the hell actually happened to Michael Hastings. So the year is 2013. Obama has just been reelected. We're going through four more years of drone strikes and the war on journalists. That's what Hastings called it. Uh, We're learning about the NSA, and Edward Snowden had just come out with his uh, his stolen materials, leaking information to the public as to what the hell is actually going on. We're in Afghanistan. We're still in Iraq. And uh, there's a journalist named Michael Hastings that has uh, consistently, for several years, pissed off a lot of people. So backtracking, who is Michael Hastings? He is a young man, actually. He, he was about my age when he died. Would have been about, let's see here, 30, 34. No, 33, I believe. I don't think he had his birthday yet. But um, he went to school for journalism. Uh, ended up working for Newsweek. Then realized that Newsweek wasn't exactly the, the place that... He thought he was working for, started taking other jobs elsewhere, working for Rolling Stone, uh, a few other magazines, and uh, covered the war in Iraq. And uh, this is a few years after we had already gone in. There was the Green Zone was established. Uh, we we're dealing with insurgents, and things were not looking good for that country. 
So he fights with his uh, publishers. I believe it was Newsweek at the time. And uh, he gets sent over as a war correspondent. But just before he gets sent over, he meets a woman uh, referred to as Andy. And she worked for several nonprofits, uh, political organizations, and um, they start dating each other. And unfortunately, it was a couple days before he, he was being sent over to Iraq. So eventually, with all the uh, time that he was spending overseas, only coming back for brief stints before being shipped over to Iraq again, uh, she found a job working over in Iraq, trying to build their new political structure, their new government, the thing that's going to carry Iraq into the future. And uh, side note here, we just uh, used the roof helipad to get all of the uh, ambassadors out of the Iraq embassy in Baghdad because of uh, riots and what looks like uh, could be some possible coup or uprising in the country. So it's now 2022. I'm so glad we spent so many trillions of dollars and so much money and uh, the loss of life um, to uh, secure that country. <laughs> Getting back to the story. So um, Andy uh, gets a job over there and... Um, during one of her tours of duty, as you will, uh, she's meeting with local officials, trying to organize the local government, and ends up being killed in what is suspected to be a um, attempted kidnapping. So she had armed guards, uh, she had an escort, the convoy was uh, armored, but... Uh, when the people tried to get her out of the car, they couldn't, so they decided to toss a hand grenade underneath to <laughs> encourage the people to exit the vehicle. That ignited the gas tank, and she died in the explosion, uh, burned alive. So Hastings flew with her body uh, to Germany, back to the States, and stayed with it the entire time in the plane. Uh, never stepped foot in Iraq ever again. And after that moment, it appears he went from being a naive, young, uh, liberal, wanting to change the world into a very uh, agitated, angry young man who, man who was out for... Um, I don't know if vengeance is the word. I think he was just really fed up with the system, uh, realized how badly it failed him and her, and uh, just wanted to actually expose these people as the, as, as the failures they are, I guess. So after this, Hastings uh, takes some time off. He ends up writing a book called I Lost My Love in Baghdad, where he documents this entire account, how they met up until when she died, and uh, the aftermath. Uh, after he wrote that book, he covered the, it was the 2008 presidential election, which uh, unfortunately he did not end up following Obama. He ended up following all the losers, 
including Hillary Clinton. Let's not forget that. He covered Hillary Clinton, said that they were the biggest bunch of assholes on the campaign trail. Did not have very favorable things to say about the people running her campaign. Thought she was kind of cool, though. He, he met her once, never got to speak to her, because uh, they treated the journalists like they were the enemy. They want the coverage, but they don't want the coverage. It's weird. It's a weird situation. But he covers it fairly well in, in uh, one of his big news articles on that topic. Uh, after that, he started going to Afghanistan. And uh, later on, there was a general who was assigned to take over. It was just after uh, Obama came into office. Obama didn't know a whole heck of a lot of people. And for some reason, General Stanley McChrystal ends up being assigned to take over the operations in Afghanistan. So Hastings goes over there. And so he ends up uh, bumping into McChrystal in Germany, where McChrystal is trying to present his new method of uh, combating terrorism and insurrection uh, against the uh, Taliban in Afghanistan. And he's totally, McChrystal is totally against Biden's plan, the vice president, and uh, said that if they actually use Biden's uh, theories on how to secure the country it would be Chaosistan, uh, which lo and behold came true. Came true. Uh, if if anybody remembers the uh, the the pullout, the evacuation, the surrendering of Afghanistan, <clears throat> McChrystal called it. I, I'm just gonna put it that way. So. There's this friction between Stanley McChrystal and Obama. And Hastings is writing a piece on McChrystal. He wants to get the feel, the ideas of who this man is. Is he going to change what is happening in Afghanistan? He's requesting troops. Obama keeps shutting it down because he's like, nope, no, uh, no more troops. Uh, we are going to... Um, not do that. So McChrystal is in a tough spot because the government's position is that they're no longer allowing troop buildup in Afghanistan. They're supposed to be in the process of pulling out. Lo and behold, it'd be another 10 years before we'd actually get out of Afghanistan. Hastings is writing this piece. He's working on it. He's with McChrystal and his men. And while they're leaving Europe, the volcano erupts, and they're stuck at, uh, in Germany before they can get back to Afghanistan. And the guys are relaxed. They think that Hastings is cool. They start talking shit about Biden and Obama, and uh, they're really just letting loose, right? They're not on the base. They're not in a war zone. They're having fun. They're partying. They're drinking, smoking cigars. And uh, McChrystal, who is known in the military for being a rock star when it comes to his position, um, is, is really living it up, right? This is a guy who uh, loves Bruce Lee quotes, uh, carries nunchucks wherever he goes, <laughs> lives a Spartan lifestyle, 
runs, I think it was like six or seven miles every day, only eats one meal a day. Uh, this is one hardcore dude. So Hastings follows him back to Afghanistan. He spends some more time over there, uh, meets with the troops, gets an idea as to how this plan is going to go forward, uh, goes back to the States and writes his piece for Rolling Stone. And what people didn't realize is that President Obama apparently reads Rolling Stone. And um, it did not take long for, for uh, Obama to get pissed off, uh, call for McChrystal to come back to the States, in which case he demanded his resignation, essentially firing McChrystal. Uh, the military was very pissed off about this. Uh, Obama flat out stated it was due to a piece in Rolling Stone magazine. And um, after that, Hastings was no longer allowed to go to the war zone and be stationed with troops. He kept putting in request to, uh, to be embedded with, uh, with troops in, in different areas, and the military consistently turned him down. So he goes on to uh, cover the 2012 election, the re-election campaign for Obama. He writes a book uh, called 2012, or Panic 2012. Uh, publisher re refused to put it in the print. It's still available, but only in digital format. It's very entertaining. It's very Hunter S. Thompson in the style of writing. Uh, I highly recommend it. Unfortunately, only being in digital uh, it was really overlooked, unfortunately. Uh, later, Hastings would write a longer version of his Rolling Stone piece in a book format called The Operators. This was picked up by Brad Pitt for the uh, movie rights and later turned into the Netflix movie uh, War Machine, starring Brad Pitt. So this is the, the story building up to Hastings. And in the last year that Hastings was alive, he was very uh, involved in what he called the war on journalists. It turned out that the uh, Obama administration had made a list of terrorists, enemies of the state, and lo and behold, there's members of... The, the news, the press, that are on this list. Uh, there were actually two journalists who worked for uh, different news outlets, one being Al Jazeera, and the other, I believe, was just a reporter for the Associated Press. Um, they sued the government during uh, Trump's administration because the kill list still existed um, because they were on the list. And they figured this out because... Within, I think it was like a, a year time span, both of them had been involved in five different drone attacks where, where they happened to be present with these, these bombs going off, these missiles hitting, and luckily they weren't killed. So thanks to Edward Snowden, the kill list comes out. Uh, the names are not revealed, but it's revealed that there is a kill list. They sue the government to... Um, for one, being on the kill list, and, and two, uh, uh, the attempted murder of journalists, which uh, 
This is the blatant violation of the First Amendment. Regardless, I mean, the Associated Press guy, come on. Like, we don't do this. It's against the Geneva Convention. You don't target journalists. Uh, so this is, uh, this is an ongoing thing, and Hastings is covering it. He's covered uh, several groundbreaking stories when it comes to, like, the psyops that the military was doing on U.S. senators and congressmen. Uh, and he was also big on covering how the NSA and the CIA were doing massive data and intel collections of U.S. citizens in the country. And, of course, the, these organizations tried to say, like, well, no, because these communications were, were collected from outside sources out of the country, blah, blah, blah. And it just, it, it turned out the companies were rerouting all these communications so that they could be collected so that a warrant wouldn't be needed, which um, is total, total bullshit. Uh, he wrote a good piece called Why Democrats Love to Spy on Americans. Um, and this one uh, could have been the target that was put on his back. He talked a lot about the war on journalists and listed several journalists that were either arrested or uh, consistently detained or having their laptops and and other electronic items stolen uh, for absolutely no reason with without a warrant. And um, during, during the time building up to Hastings' death, and yes, uh, we're, what, 17 minutes into this, I will get to the car crash because uh, I'm, I'm sure that's what you are wanting to hear about. So um, leading up, Hastings was working on a piece, much like the Stanley McChrystal piece, on CIA director John Brennan. And lo and behold, this piece never came out. So there's some speculation as to what Hastings might have found, what they he, he might have been planning to write about. Um, he did contact several people the day before he died. He sent out a, a group group email to all of his different uh, associates saying that he needed to lay low for a bit. Um, people from the FBI had been contacting uh, his associates, asking questions. Uh, he was on the verge of a big story. We don't know if this was the John Brennan piece or if it was something else. But uh, he sent out this, this email and it made a lot of people uh, who knew Hastings concerned because it didn't seem like him um, to be startled or, or worried in, in such a way. And um, he had also contacted, I believe it was the WikiLeaks lawyer. He had contacted uh, WikiLeaks lawyer Jennifer Robinson just a few hours before he died saying that the FBI was investigating him. So... Another thing that happened was Hastings, Michael's brother, uh, flew in from the East Coast. Hastings was living in California. Uh, his brother came to stay with him because his family felt like he was having a manic fit like he had had in high school several, several years before. 
um, where he flew out concerned that Hastings might somehow hurt himself. And uh, so his brother was staying with him. And the last time his brother saw him was about 12, 1230 at night when both of them went to bed. However, uh, Hastings was seen that night around 1230 by his neighbor who uh, Hastings asked if he could borrow their car. Now, the neighbor was saying that, well, they were having car trouble. No, he couldn't take the car, didn't really trust the car. And Hastings had made a comment that uh, his car had been acting funny and didn't really trust it. Felt like maybe somebody had tampered with it. Um, Hastings drove around in a Mercedes Coupe. It was a brand, it was a newer model, but one that was listed in the Edward Snowden's leak as something that the government had learned how to take over by remote control. <laughs> Weird, right? So Hastings noticed that he was having car trouble. Didn't really trust his own car, but couldn't take his neighbor's car. So he leaves. And somewhere between 1230 at night and 420 in the morning, he's out and about. Nobody really knows where he went, who he talked to, who he was trying to contact. But for some reason, in a nearly four-hour time span, he didn't leave L.A. And that's the, the part that doesn't really make sense to me. So here's this guy. He feels like he's on the run. Uh, the FBI is investigating him. He's noticing that his car is not acting right. And He's just driving around L.A. Maybe he's trying to figure out where he's supposed to go, where he's going to hide out. Uh, we don't really know what happened during that time span. So at 4.20 in the morning, his car accelerates on a uh, residential road that's a boulevard. The bull In the middle of the boulevard is a row of tall uh palm trees and they're staggered apart I don't know how far apart each tree is but enough to where if you were to merge over and try to cross the boulevard you're going to hit one of these trees head-on which is exactly what happened so Hastings car is seen on several different surveillance cameras uh, speeding at a high rate there's sparks seen flying from underneath the car uh, then he hits a palm tree, uh, the car immediately explodes, the motor is ejected from the chassis, and is found, I believe it's 70 yards, uh, down the street. Uh, the motor's just sitting there, like, looking like it's, it's brand new, the car is in flames, uh, there is video footage available still on YouTube and other, uh, outlets online. Uh, with the aftermath of the car accident. His car was seen on the dash cam footage of a nightcrawler, a journalist who spends the evening looking for news stories to report on first thing in the morning. Uh, Hastings is seen driving through a red light at an intersection. Uh, and then less than a minute later, the call goes out, car accident, the nightcrawler shows up on the scene. Hastings is still in the car. There's several witnesses. Um, 
There's one guy that says that um, there's multiple explosions. You can see where there's pops and cracks going on uh, as the car burns. Uh, that, that could be several different things. It could be electrical. Um, but anyways, there's the, the big question of what actually happened to Michael Hastings. So there are a lot of conspiracy theories that came out afterwards. Uh, one that is easy to debunk is saying that his car was hit by a drone strike. And uh, this came from another reporter who was consistently trying to break the Hastings story. Um, she kept asking all these different questions, came up with a lot of assumptions, and she was... Uh, consistently debunked when it came to the things that she was saying. Uh, she brought up how Hastings was cremated uh, against the, the family's wishes, and the family came out and said, no, we requested that he be cremated. Considering how he died, uh, why wouldn't they? There's obviously not going to be an open casket. Um... Plus, it could have been, uh, I don't know about this, but it could have been Hastings' wish... Um, considering how his previous, uh, his, his, I can't say, uh, his, his fiance had died, uh, in a very similar fiery, um, uh, incident in a car, uh, definitely not in a car crash, but it's just weird several years later that Hastings would die in a very, very similar way. So Kimberly Dvorak, this is the reporter who was coming up with all these conspiracy theories. She uh, did herself no favors. She kept the story alive. Uh, I give her credit for that. And she did, uh, through a FOIA request, have the 911 calls released, which really didn't amount to much of anything. Uh I don't know if she was trying to find like eyewitness accounts as to what could possibly have happened. If it was a drone strike, if it was a car bomb, there's speculation that it was a car bomb, something that could have sent the motor uh, from the chassis out. But uh, in my own conversations with different mechanics and people who have witnessed a lot of car accidents, uh, this is not uncommon. Uh, especially if you were to hit something like a tree head-on uh, at a high rate of speed. Uh, the only stipulation that I've heard is that if it's a front-wheel drive car, even, even at a high rate of speed, it's very hard to eject the motor. But since the Mercedes Coupe in question was rear-wheel drive, the motor could easily have just been shot out on impact. So that leads me to the main theory that a lot of people cling to, which is the remote control car theory. Now this has been proven, not on Hastings, but in several other uh, simulations, uh, experiments. Wire Magazine was able to take over a uh, Jeep um, with remote controls. Um, there was a college experiment where <clears throat> one professor from over a thousand miles away could take over somebody's vehicle by remote control. Uh, 
And there was also a government official, and this is a quoting from my book. Richard Clark is a former U.S. National Coordinator for Security, Infrastructure Protection, and Counterterrorism, who also worked for the State Department under Ronald Reagan and lead counterterrorism efforts under Presidents Bush Sr., Clinton, W. Bush, while also serving as a special advisor on counterterrorism to W. Bush, stated, what we know about the single car, single vehicle crash is consistent with a car cyber attack. During an interview with the Huffington Post, Clark stated, there's reason to believe that intelligence agencies for major powers know how to remotely seize control of a car. He went on to further explain what has been revealed as a result of some research at universities is that it is relatively easy to hack your way into a control system of a car and and to do such things as cause acceleration when the driver doesn't want acceleration or to throw let's see here to throw on the brakes when the driver doesn't want the brakes on to launch an airbag Clark told the Huffington Post you can do some really highly destructive things now through hacking a car, and it's not that hard. So if there was a cyber attack, <clears throat> if there was a cyber attack on the car, and I'm not saying there was, Clark added, I think whoever did would probably get away with it. So here's Richard Clark. Here's a guy that he's saying several different things here. One, they've done this before. That's what's coming out. And we don't even know about it. And so for him to say that this is consistent with something that he has experience with means that they've done this before. And he's kind of bragging about it. He's saying like, hey, this is a very real possibility. And I don't even know for sure if this is what happened because when we've done it in the past, no one's ever caught on to it. Wow. <laughs> uh, so that's that's some of the confirmation that I uh, I have when it comes to what could have possibly happened to Michael Hastings. Um, he did die in the accident, and the coroner's report said that it was due to the impact of the crash, um, several of the injuries that he had. He likely wasn't... Uh, conscious afterwards when the car was on fire. Uh, they were able to ID, ID the body in two different ways. And this is going to surprise a lot of people. One was from his medical marijuana card that was found in his wallet in a blazing inferno of a car. So I don't know what they make those those cards out of. It kind of reminds me of the 9-11 uh, terrorist passports that were found in the streets after the car... The, the, the plane flew through a building and exploded into a fiery inferno. Whatever they make the medical marijuana cards and the, the passports out of, um, they should just start making cars out of that because they, they're clearly indestructible. <laughs> so, so they ID'd his body through the medical marijuana card and through fingerprints, which if you see the footage of the car in flames, I don't know how the hell they got a fingerprint out of that. Because they're saying they got a fingerprint off the body, which just seems insane. So there's a lot of issues that I have after 
the crash with things that were said, things that happened or didn't happen. Uh, Hastings was remarried. Uh, he had a widow at the time of, uh, well, I can't say remarried. He never married Andy. Uh, Hastings eventually did get married. He had a widow. And she was on, I believe it was CNN, talking about how uh, the work that he had already put into the John Brennan story was going to be completed, that Rolling Stone was going to release the articles, they were going to have another writer put together all the notes that he had taken and everything, and and finish the piece um, that he had been working on. Uh, that never happened. Those, those articles were never released. We've never actually seen or, or know what... Hastings was working on. We don't know if his material was in the car with him. Um, so that's one thing that kind of irked me after the fact. The other thing that came up was uh, during the toxicology report, uh, it was released that Hastings had amphetamines in his system. Now, being irresponsible reporters... A lot of uh, news anchors and and people like uh, the Young Turks came out and tried to say that Hastings was taking methamphetamines. This is a guy who um, hadn't drank for over a decade. He did start drinking again occasionally uh, in 2012 during the re-election uh, campaign, which, hey, if you're on a campaign trail, if you're having to hang out with... Uh, Hillary Clinton's people again. Um, yeah, I'd be drinking too. So he had been sober for a long time, and it's not uncommon. It's actually, it's actually very popular for people like reporters to be taking things like Adderall, which is an amphetamine. This is something that is prescribed to children. Uh, college students use it in order to get their work done in a very short period of time. Um, it is a trick that a lot of people who do work like this do. And uh, it doesn't mean that their work is better. It just means that they can cram a lot of work into a short period of time and still get paid. <laughs> so, so, yes, there's amphetamines in his system. I'm prone to believe that it was something like Adderall, uh, it is a drug that he uh, was known to have taken in high school and college, uh, especially around the time of his previous manic uh, episode slash breakdown. And by the way, when you look into that aspect of his life, Hastings' father was a doctor, but he wasn't a psychiatrist or a psychologist. So here's this medical doctor who's trying to diagnose his own son, which you don't do. You take family members to another professional because you are emotionally connected to that person. And um, so he, he diagnoses his son as being a manic depressant and that he was having this horrible manic episode, blah, blah, blah. I don't know if that was because he actually believed that or if he was trying to get his son out of uh, legal troubles with some of the stupid things he was doing as a high school student. Um, but anyways, uh, they also tried to make connections to a previous car accident that Hastings had while he was in high school, taking his parents' car when he wasn't allowed to, 
um, smacking it into a tree. He survived that accident. Um, There's altercations with police afterwards, yada, yada, yada. So a lot of people, when they look at Michael Hastings, they try to find correlations between how his fiance died in Iraq, the, the car accident that happened his senior year of high school. Uh, there's all these things happening, but at the end of the day, here's a guy whose job was to piss off a lot of people, people who knew how to remotely control a car and assassinate people with uh, this technique so that they couldn't be implicated. Um, people who had a war on journalism and the First Amendment, putting journalists in jail for, for not releasing information on their sources, which is protected by the First Amendment. We have an erosion of the Constitution, and Hastings was covering it, and I think he ended up being a victim of this war on journalism. After all, he was covering it. Um, he didn't make a whole heck of a lot of friends. He was banned from covering uh, military involvement overseas. He ended up getting a very, very popular general fired, the same general who came up with the um, Pat Tillman hoax same guy who made up that story that Pat Tillman died in this heroic battle against enemy combatants when in reality he died by friendly fire due to lack of communications and the military still not being able to figure out how to operate in a mountainous area. So yeah, did I mention that Stanley McChrystal was promoted shortly after uh, coming up with this bogus story on the Pat Tillman death? Yeah, um, there's there's a lot of pissed off people. There's a lot of people who had it out for Michael Hastings. So there's two assumptions that I can come up with. And one is that it was a car accident at 420 in the morning. And um, he was sober. There was no alcohol in the system. Yes, there was amphetamines, but I, I just don't see that being a cause for him to accelerate his car at a high rate of speed at 420 in the morning in a uh, quiet neighborhood in the middle of the night. Um, and then there's the other assumption that he pissed off a lot of people and John Brennan had just gotten this job as CIA director. Who knows what Hastings was finding on him. And Brennan stayed in power for quite a bit after that. I believe he was still running the CIA during Trump's administration. So we're looking at what, like almost um, six to eight years he was in that job. And uh, somebody like Hastings could have ruined that for him. So I don't know. Was, was Hastings on the Clinton kill list? I can't say, but... But he did piss off Hillary Clinton. Uh, I, I can say that much. <laughs> so he pissed off Hillary Clinton. He pissed off Obama. He pissed off Stanley McChrystal. He was aiming at John Brennan. Uh, there's, there's a long list of very high up people that Hastings had written about, talked shit about. 
reveal their deepest, darkest secrets. Um, he is very adamant about keeping the kill list story going. He was defending people like Edward Snowden. Uh, he was defending all the journalists that had been uh, thrown in jail or harassed by the federal government. This was an ongoing thing. But to sum it up, 4.20 in the morning, Hastings is contacting people. He's warning them that the FBI is investigating him. He tells his neighbor that his car has been acting funny. Uh, his family flew out because they were concerned, saying that he was acting very manic and paranoid. Is this just another case that it's not paranoia, that perhaps sometimes when somebody is paranoid, they are being watched? Could that be the case? Because there seems to be this growing number of people who, in their last days, were paranoid. They thought that somebody was coming after them, going to kill them, raid them, take their stuff, whatever it is. We've got Duncan Lemp over in Maryland, thought that the police were going to uh, kick in his door to take his stuff and possibly tried to kill him and it happened you've got michael hastings that said the fbi is investigating me i need to run and hide ends up dying in the middle of the night you have the waco compound which it turned out the atf did have a neighboring house that was keeping lookout on the compound and and uh yeah it's a long growing list of people who are actually being watched and they were deemed to be paranoid. And why would they think this? Because you were doing it. So, um, yeah, Hastings is just another example of, um, you know, when, when you get that sensation, when your spidey sense starts tingling, these are people who learn to listen to that. And uh, when it started tingling, and it, it would be on tingling, you're, you're shaking, like something bad is going to happen. Um, they were right. Uh, all these people, all these people ended up being right. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Michael Hastings. Um, is he the last journalist? I, I don't know. I like Project Veritas, but I don't really consider it journalism. Um, they are revealing a lot of stories. They are collecting a lot of intel. They are confirming a lot of the things that we know to be true. Um, I think it was crazy and insane that they they had their homes raided by the FBI in search of a a fake diary. Oh no, nope. That's that's confirmed to be real. The daddy shower diary diaries are real. So who knows? Um, is something gonna happen to? Project Veritas, I don't know. It looks like they're trying to eliminate them. They're trying to get rid of info wars. They're, there's a war on journalism. It's still happening. Michael Hastings was right. And uh, unfortunately, he seems to have been forgotten, uh, except by a very, very few people. And I'm glad that, I'm glad that Tim Cast has been bringing him up. I, I wish they would actually look at the book that I sent them. I know it's in their library. They they covered it on Cast Castle when it came in the mail. 
so I wish they would check that out. Um, at least they could get the story right, kind of see some of the conspiracy theories, what's debunked and what could possibly be very real and very true. Um, it's sad to know that they bought a Tesla because an all-electric car, if there's anything that, that could be taken over by remote control, I, I, Tesla would very much be on the top of the list. Come on. So that's about it for me. This is yet another special on the Collapse Experiment podcast. If you'd like to know more about Michael Hastings, check out The Last Journalist, The Life and Times of Michael Hastings by Matthew Gilman, available on Amazon. Uh, I do also have several articles and a lot of the information that I collected on Hastings on the CollapseExperiment.com. A lot of those documents, including the uh, the coroner report, um, a lot of his, there's links to his articles that are still available online. So there's a, a vast amount of information that is available on there when it comes to this subject. And uh, I hope that you check it out. Do a little bit of digging yourself. Tell me your opinion. There is there is a comment section. Nobody nobody ever seems to make comments on on the website. Perhaps it's because with WordPress you have to log in and have a username and account. I don't know. That seems to discourage a lot of people. But um, you know, if you have a theory, if you'd like to share what you think happened to Michael Hastings, um, you can also contact me at the collapse experiment at gmail.com. That's about it for me today. Hope you enjoyed this. Remember, you are the carbon that they want to reduce. Thank you for listening to the Collapse Experiment podcast. For more content, check out thecollapseexperiment.com where you can find the latest news articles. If you'd like to help out this podcast, check out books by Matthew Gilman on Amazon. Or you should just buy gold and silver. Just, just buy gold and silver it's it's a better investment and uh you might actually have something to trade later on when the world <laughs> falls apart <laughs>